Uh, we are going to be in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 1 through 16. John, chapter 20, if you want to turn there. One of the best ways to follow along on a Sunday morning, if you are new, if a friend or family member sent you a text or sent you a link to watch, and you haven't heard this before, you can download our Movement Church app, and right underneath Sunday services, you can click sermon notes, and all my notes are in there, and the passage from the Bible that I'm going to read is also in there for you to follow along easily. Uh, we have been talking about joining Jesus. Jesus is on the move, I believe, right now, May 3rd, 2020, Jesus is on the move. Even in the midst of circumstances, in the, in the midst of whatever uncertainty we have going on in our lives, Jesus Christ is alive and well and he's moving. And last week we talked about we were born uh, bare. We were born without bearing the burden of sin. And Jesus Christ came, left the grave. He left the tomb empty. He left the grave closed in the grave so that you and I could walk unmasked. Today we're going to talk about how to join Jesus in the unmasking. And where do we join Jesus? We join him in our weakness. We join him in our weakness. Let's read from the book of John, chapter 20. We're going to start out in verse 1, and we're going to read through. I'm going to skip a couple verses just for context. I want you to know I'm going to skip over some verses that we've read in a couple weeks uh, prior. And if you want some context for what I'm going to talk about today, you can always go back. Probably the number one place and the best place to watch is on our YouTube channel, uh, which some of you are uh, joining us right now on. And I would recommend going back and watching the last handful of weeks. And we're going to jump in right now in verse 1. It says, Early on, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. This is the book of John. This is this guy, John. This is his personal account on what happened after Jesus' death when Mary showed up at the tomb and wanted to spend some time um, anointing Jesus' body. The book of Mark, it's the personal account of a guy named Mark. Mark chapter 16. He says that Mary was traveling to the tomb with Mary Magdalene, was traveling with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and another woman to anoint the body of Jesus. And they were walking and they asked themselves as they were walking, who is going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb for us? They realized that that stone was far too heavy. They had the conversation amongst themselves. And they kept moving forward. They get to the tomb. In John's account, she gets to the tomb. And this is what she sees. Verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter when she sees that the tomb was empty. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now I'm going to skip up to verse 10. Because in those middle passages is when John and Peter step in and see that the grave is indeed empty and they have to make a decision. Is Jesus been moved or is Jesus Christ on the move? And they go back home and this is where we pick up. It says, then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus or did not recognize him. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? 
Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher or great master. We're going to talk about two key things today. In where we join Jesus, and I said we, we join Jesus in, our, in, in weakness, and so we're going to talk about two keys. Number one, we're going to talk about embracing your weakness. And number two, we're going to talk about how Jesus embraces us in our weakness. As I mentioned in, in Mark 16, the same account, the same historical account of what happened when Mary approaches the tomb, and she looks at these other women, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Mary it shows very clearly in Mark's account of this, in his personal account, that Mary was fully aware, she acknowledged, and she was embracing her weakness. The fact of the matter is, she understood that in her own strength, that she understood that even in the strength of the three women together, that there was a weakness that they still had, that they were not going to be able to roll the stone away. And she embraced that weakness by moving forward, even though she knew it seemed impossible. She was on a mission to get to the body of Jesus. Something that we have to know about Mary. Real quickly, I want to give you some history on Mary Magdalene. Mary was a follower of Jesus. When Jesus encountered her, he found her completely riddled with anxiety. She was disheveled. She was falling apart. Mary, however, came from a, a part of the town of Magdala that she, from all historians' accounts, probably had a reasonable amount of money. Things were good in life. From the outside, you would look at Mary and think, all is well. But she was disturbed and anxious, and she was dealing with some demons. In fact, when you read the account of her encounter with Jesus, Jesus encounters her and ends up praying for her and seven demons that she's possessed with are cast out of her. It's in her weakness that she encounters Jesus. And it's in her weakness that she was with Jesus, following him. It was in her weakness that she was with him. One of the latest moments while he still hung on the cross at the end of the day. And she was the first to be with him as she went to the tomb. And even though she understood her weakness, she embraced it. Let me, let me just describe very quickly this word embrace. It's take or receive gladly or eagerly or accept willingly. What I'm saying is, when you're faced with your weakness, do you accept it willingly? Mary accepted her weakness willingly. She accepted the fact that she perhaps wasn't going to be able to get the stone out of the way. But she was on a mission to get to Jesus. And you and I have a decision to make. When you are faced with your weakness, do you respond by A? Do you disguise your weakness? Or B, do you disclose your weakness? When you are faced with a weakness in life, a deficiency somewhere in your life that you just you know is difficult, it's a struggle for you, and there's a breakdown. 
Do you disguise it? Do you try to paint a different picture? Do you try to make it look as if nothing's wrong? Or you disclose it? Full disclosure, I am weak in this area. 2 Corinthians 12.9, this guy Paul in the Bible understood weakness. He understood what it was like to have to embrace and accept willingly his weaknesses. And as he writes about this, he says, But he, meaning the Lord, but he said to me, meaning Paul, but he, the Lord, said to me, Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Paul is saying to you and I, that he's willing to boast. He, he It's full disclosure. He is going to boast in his weaknesses. He wants to disclose his weaknesses. He wants to shed light on the areas of his life that there's struggle and there's strain. The parts of his character that are there that seemingly always pop up at inopportune times. He is going to boast in the weakness that alone, by himself, he's never going to be good enough to ascend to take his place seated with Jesus Christ. That no matter how good he is, no matter how many things he performs perfectly, nothing will actually allow him to step into the relationship with Jesus Christ. So he's going to boast in his weakness so that Christ's power may rest on him. Paul is saying, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses so the power that Jesus Christ showed us by going to the cross and overcoming death, will rest on me. That is why, in verse 10, he says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Can someone please shout an amen? Just type it right now, no matter what platform. Just give me a thumbs up. Give me, give me an amen right now. If right in this moment, you have faced some of these things. Now, I just want to tell you, right from the Lynch house, right from Shander and I's house, right from our house with our kids and everything going on it, from our house to your house, I want to tell you something. We are facing our weaknesses. We are facing insults. We are facing hardship. We are facing persecutions. We are facing difficulties. But Paul has something attached to this that he says to you and I when we face those things, when we embrace them, when we accept them willingly. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is telling us this instruction that like Mary, when I am weak and I posture myself in the embrace and I accept willingly my weaknesses, that this is the posture that I am the most powerful. This is the posture that I am the most powerful. Now, I, I want to say something about weakness really quickly. Weaknesses are exposed by circumstances, not caused by circumstances. I've had a lot of conversations in the last six weeks. Conversations go something like this. You know, because of the circumstances that we're in, it's caused all of these problems relationally. It's made these things, it's caused these, these things to happen. And I, I want to tell you something. For the most part, I know in my own life, weaknesses are exposed by circumstances, not caused. 
Too often our weaknesses, when we disguise them, are buried and become burdens. But we're able to push past them and keep moving in life. When pressure gets put on us, the weaknesses are exposed. The, the areas that you've been struggling in behind closed doors, the areas in your heart and in your mind, the things that you've really, you've barely been hanging on to are exposed. And I can't blame shift. We can't shift the blame to a circumstance for our weaknesses. It's just that we need to willingly accept these weaknesses. But they are not caused by circumstances. The second thing that I want you to know about weakness is it's not wrong. Weaknesses or being weak isn't wrong, but it can lead to wrongdoing. The fact of the matter is, is that I was born and you were born with certain deficiencies and weaknesses. And if I don't disclose those things and bring them out into the light, if I don't deal with those things, if I don't get those things in check, I'm going to tell you something. Weakness is not wrong, but it can lead to wrongdoing. This is important. We have to be willing to accept weaknesses before they cause the breakdown. If we choose to disguise our weaknesses and let them lie, they will be exposed at some point. Every single time I am here to tell you, the weakest areas of any structure will get exposed at some point. The weakest things that you and I maybe carry in our lives, I, I know from experience in my own life, the weaknesses that I carry will get exposed. And I have to be willing to accept those weaknesses before they cause the breakdown. So embracing your weaknesses, it becomes the most powerful posture that you can take. In Mary's weakest, probably most darkest moment. Wrap your head around this for one second. I want you to just, just, just wrap around this, this moment. That Mary has been through some really tough times in her life. And Jesus Christ enters into her life, sets her free from these demons, puts her on a path of freedom. And she's following Jesus. In fact, a lot of historians say that she was, she was probably, if not confidently, one of the biggest contributors financially to Jesus' ministry. She gave him the resource to do what it is that she needed to do. So here we have Mary. She's been through dark times and she becomes a follower of Jesus, and she's devout. She loves Jesus. She loves him so much. She's willing to go to the grave. She's willing to be the last there at his feet crying at the cross. She's willing to be the first one at the tomb. She's willing to press past what seems impossible to get to Jesus so she can anoint this Jesus Christ that changed her life. And she finds in the garden that the stone has been rolled away, but his body is missing, and she's heartbroken. That her world has come crashing down because the hope that she found in Jesus Christ, the hope that she had in Jesus Christ was missing. And it's in this dark moment, she was searching for her greatest strength. His name is Jesus Christ. 
Mary was willing to embrace her weakness for the hope of embracing Jesus. Why? Because she had a history that had taught her that Jesus would always join her and embrace her in her weakest moments. Number two, Jesus embraces us in our weakness. Mary knew this. In verse 15, it says, He asked her, woman, why are you crying? This is Jesus speaking to her now. She doesn't know it's Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? I want to stop for a second, and I I want to address this, this line of questions from Jesus. Up to this point, the angels have said, what is it that you're looking for? Why are you crying? And she said, I'm looking for Jesus. When Jesus asked her this line of questions, he says, woman, why are you crying? And who is it that you're looking for? Jesus Christ knows this one thing. Listen. No matter where you're at right now, it doesn't matter what state you're tuning in from. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at home. It doesn't matter if you're chasing your kids around. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter why you tuned in this morning and you're listening to this. This is what matters. You tuned in potentially because you're looking for something. You're looking for something to deal with the weaknesses that you're feeling. And the weaknesses, they're not wrong. But what happens is we approach them in the wrong manner when we start asking what we can do to deal with our weaknesses. And Jesus wants to answer the question, who do you need to deal with the weaknesses? See, the what looks like substances, sexual promiscuity, lying and cheating, being deceitful. It means pride. It means putting on an air, a disguise. Why? Because it's the what. And if I can achieve the what, I can overcome my weaknesses. And Jesus, in this line of question, points right to the fact, Mary, this is not a what issue. What you do doesn't matter. Who it is that you encounter is all that matters. And if you tuned in this morning and you're sitting here and this is the thousandth time that you've heard something from our church or you've heard about Jesus, I want you to know something. You may have tuned in to get an idea of what you can do to overcome your weakness and you're going to be met this morning by the who. And his name is Jesus Christ. Thinking he was the gardener, she answers this line of question. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go get him. (laughs) In the darkest hour, here's Mary. Little Mary. Mary Magdalene. What's she saying to Jesus? I am so confident in the who of Jesus Christ that I myself will do whatever I need to do to carry his death-laden body and place him somewhere where we can anoint him. She's willing to attempt the impossible. 
I don't know if it's entirely possible that Mary, on her own, was going to be able to pick up the deceased body of Jesus, of a grown man, and carry him away. But Mary didn't care. What Mary was saying is, I'm willing to step into the impossibilities of my weaknesses for the possibility of embracing Jesus. I'm willing to step into the impossibility that my weaknesses may present to me for the possibility of stepping into a relationship, embracing and being with Jesus. She was willing to be with Jesus in any circumstance and at any cost, even when it seemed impossible. And Jesus' response to her in this moment, she's at the end of herself. Have you ever, have you ever been at the end of yourself? Have you ever been at the end of your story? Have you ever been at the end of your journey? Have you ever been at the end of your strength? Have you ever been at the end of your mental capacity? Have you ever been at the end of your emotions? Have you ever just been at the end? You're standing precariously on the edge of yourself. Have you ever been in this place in the darkest moments? And it becomes the most definitive. And in this moment, Jesus Christ does something that's powerful. He simply says one word. He says to her, Mary. In one word, Mary realizes one thing. That there she stands. At the end of herself, mentally and emotionally, she's broken. She's broken hearted for this Jesus she loves. She has nothing left. But she's willing to give everything. Have you, have you been there before? You have nothing left. And in that moment, you're willing to give it all. And Jesus says her name. And everything, everything in the moment that seems impossible becomes possible. Because Jesus Christ shows himself to be alive and well in the middle of the messiest, darkest, loneliest moment, presumably of her life. And in saying her name, he's saying to her, I see you and I know you. In the middle of your mess. Some of you need to hear this message. Tune in, tune in to me for a second. Some of you need to hear this. Jesus Christ, he's not avoidant of your weaknesses. He wants to join you right in the middle of it, like he did Mary. Jesus Christ wants to join you in the middle of your weaknesses to give you a strength that you know deep down inside you don't have and you've been looking for the what, you've been disguising things. Jesus Christ is the who that can change it all. I love 2 Corinthians 13, 3. I'm gonna wrap up with these verses. Two scriptures. 
2 Corinthians 13, 3, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. Verse 4, I want you to catch this. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness. Jesus Christ, the Savior of all of creation, went to his death in weakness. Yet, he lives by God's power. And likewise, it says, we are weak in him. Yet by God's power, we will live with him in our dealing with him. In the last scriptures, Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It says, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize in our weaknesses. One of the reasons that Jesus Christ has no fear in your weaknesses because he's actually walked through them. There's an empathy that he carries to embrace you in the midst of your weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Here's the... Here's the great promise, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne with grace and confidence. Let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Family, we don't need to shrink back because of our weaknesses. We don't, we don't need to go back to the way it was. We don't, we don't need to disguise. We don't need to hide. We don't need to bury Jesus Christ has walked in the weakness that you're walking in to give us the confidence to be able to approach him in a way that never before we could approach God. I want you to know today that we can approach Jesus with confidence and he's there to greet us with grace and mercy in the midst of our weakness. What this morning is your weaknesses? What is it? You don't need to, we don't need to embrace our weakness with defeat or shame or guilt. We can come with confidence before God and say, God, you understand my weaknesses because you went before us in your son, Jesus Christ. You were there over 2,000 years ago in my weaknesses, and you're there today in my weaknesses, and you'll be there tomorrow in my weaknesses. I know for a fact that you are here in the midst of everything that I'm questioning, of my darkest hour, and this is the most definitive moment that I could have. Am I going to posture myself this morning before God that says, God, I'm going to disclose to you, full disclosure, all of my weaknesses. And by the way, just so you know, he already knows them. The exercise isn't for him, it's for you. It's so that you can let go of those things and let God become the strength. Let God become the who so that we can stop trying to bury these things with the what. I 
Are you willing to embrace, willingly accept your weaknesses this morning? Are you willing? Because Jesus Christ, the who, can overcome any what. He will make possible what seems impossible. Because that is who he is. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we come to you right now. God, I ask that your presence and your spirit right now would flood into the homes and the hearts of the spaces, the atmospheres, environments of anybody that is watching or listening to this. God, even though it might seem like there's chaos, there's kids running around, there's people that are antsy, there's, there's microwaves going off, there's, there's doorbells ringing, there's things that are happening, there's, there's volume competing with my voice right now, but what can't compete with your voice, there's nothing under the sun that can compete with your presence and your voice when you call us by name. So Lord, I'm going to ask you to press past any distraction or anything in our hearts that we want to continue to disguise our weaknesses. And we want to say with full disclosure, here they are. Next week, we're going to talk about how to step in to the strength that we get by embracing our weaknesses. You are not going to want to miss it. Until we see you again. We say amen to what God's doing in your life. We say amen to what Jesus is doing in our communities. We miss you, of course. We miss you a ton. And we are looking forward to the day that we get to be shoulder to shoulder and face to face again. Until then, keep your head up. Embrace your weaknesses. Step in. It's all about the who and not the what. We love you, Movement family. We'll see you guys Wednesday night.